Hello and welcome to another Pro Detailer podcast. And yet again, we have another celebrity guest with us, none other than Mr. John Clough. Say hello. Hello. And we're joined with Ian. Hello. Um, And John is Advanced Detail. I'm sure everybody listening knows who he is. And if not, has seen one of his many lovely cars that have been at Waxhawk over the years. (laughs) Yes. Um, and we have lots of stuff to talk about. We've been we've been chatting before the podcast, haven't we? Absolutely, yes. And yeah. um, I think you arrived at about midday, and it's now about two o'clock. So time flies. It, it does indeed <laughs> when you're having fun. Um, but we've released the cable ties, and we've got an idea of what we want to talk about. So um, first of all, let's just do a bit of background. Let's do an introduction. So who are you, and what do you do? Uh, so my name is John Clough. I own Advanced Detail, and we started Advanced Detail in twenty. 20- 12 2013 sorry mm-hmm. um prior to that we were finesse detailing for about a year when i was doing it out of a garage mm-hmm. um a dusty garage um, and this is up small. in leeds isn't it this is in leeds yes and um yeah it's just grown um you do your first six months in business and you think yeah let's see if i can get to a year and mm-hmm. then the next year and then the next year and before you know it we're into <laughs> done 10, 10 years, years. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no that's pretty cool so um before detailing before all that thing because now you are kind of in your i'm gonna say mid 40s to be safe yeah thank you <laughs> i'm actually 35 but we'll discuss this off air <laughs> okay fair enough there's a gun here by the way yes um so uh before when you when you were kind of a young lad and uh, not that you aren't anymore uh but uh before detailing stuff like that when you're at school what did you want to be do you want to astronaut um, footballer not really a direction i knew i wanted to run my own business but i didn't know how that would transpire and you know not really into cars until i started work for a living and uh, started working and um got into um got into cars through the people i worked with really that were all mm-hmm. into and uh, but your first car was quite quite an interesting car <laughs> yes yeah uh, yeah it was a renault 5 gt turbo as a first car as it's a first car 19 years old bloody hell it's an amazing you're you're still alive frankly because a powerful car like that yeah it was there was some uh a few interesting moments uh, <laughs> in the wet with that car and a few uh yeah a few uh tales to uh to um to close family members when i pranged it mm. uh, yeah, can you remember what your insurance was on that when you were 19 eight, 800 pounds third party it wasn't it was actually going to cost 1500 pounds for an xr3i which was the understudy that i was going to get because i didn't think i could afford to insure a gt turbo i think my one four gear was about 1500 quid yeah i was I, well you had a fancy one four i, I only had electric windows Ooh. yeah yeah ian and i had the same first car but his was a fancy pants one and mine had wind up windows and it was a 1.3 engine with about 50 horsepower there's also a chance that you're still on the road no no i, I got confirmation it had been scrapped due to rust oh, okay but but it's not as dead as i sent you a photo of my one the other <laughs> yes yes <laughs> all seven pixels of it due to the time period yes um so tell us how you got into detailing because this is a brilliant story um right yeah so i mean I mean, before detailing was detailing, mm. I, uh, I used to wash cars for my dad. And um, every time I washed the car, he'd come out and say, oh, wow, you know, it looks great. And it's kind of addictive because you, you want to make it better every time then for that reaction. Mm-hmm. And um, Like me, then always looking for your dad's approval. and, and Yeah. <laughs> never quite <laughs> yeah. getting there. My dad. Oh, your dad. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and it, it, it got 
kind of addictive. And uh, then, of course, uh, his car fell by the wayside when uh, I came of age and got my first car. Mm -hmm. And that was the, uh, yeah. But I've always had that OCD thing where, you you know, you're looking for improvement all the time, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the cars. And uh, then with the GT Turbo, obviously, they used to get polished on the drive at my mum's and um, used to get the uh, engine bay taken apart, all the chrome polished and hoses, silicon hoses off, and, mm-hmm. yeah, cleaned in the sink after the Sunday dinner. So when was the first car that you kind of professionally did? How did you get into the kind of commercial detailing side? Um, well, I um, I thought I kind, I kind of like this, polishing cars and making them look pretty. Um, maybe maybe I should go try and get a job as a valeter. Um, I mean, detailing wasn't a buzzword then. Mm. Nobody knew what it was really. Maybe maybe it didn't even exist in the States back in 1997, 1998, <laughs> but no, as detailing. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I took my car to a local Renault dealer and um, spoke to the head valeter and said, look, have you got any jobs going? I'd be interested in doing this for a living. I've brought my car. I've just done it. Mm -hmm. Have a look at it, see what you think. He took one look at the Renault and went, yeah, when can you start? (laughs) And I said, well, let's talk about wages. And and as it turns out, that two days wasn't an acceptable length of time to (laughs) to, to do contract valeting. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, that fell by the wayside. But I've always had this thing where that would be my ideal job Mm. is to do the in-depth car cleaning. And I didn't know how that had transpose and then leading leading on um i bought a renault megan mm-hmm. um the yellow one uh, the, the yellow one the liquid yellow r26 mm-hmm. and um yeah that was i think that was 2010 and cars on all the forums and everybody's having the car or detailing the cars saw russ aston's work so a few before and afters of mm. the machine polishing and went Holy shit, this is interesting. Yeah. This is amazing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's that following him. Obviously, I'd Paul Dalton in the back of my mind. I'd seen him on Fifth Gear. Yes. And yeah. started following his work as well and detailing world. And, and then it all just. It's all these old ones. Yeah, because you've got Russ's uh, Midland Car Care. Yes, and then you've yeah. got obviously Paul Dalton, Miracle Detail. Yeah, and yeah. there's a yeah. kind of this, this I wouldn't call it a brotherhood so much, but a kind of the, the founding fathers of the modern yeah, yeah. detailing kind yeah, of world, yeah. if you like. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it, it, seeing what could be done mm. when you've not seen it before, and people get enthralled by it, especially if they're into cars and into like getting a perfect finish and the cars looking nice, and um, yeah, it's just something that snowballed, and um, yeah, ended up going on a, a machine polishing course with Gordon Muir from Defined Details. Yeah, up Glasgow way. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's the mad scientist that nobody's <laughs> ever heard of. Oh, I think I think he's he is one of those founding fathers. I don't think he's the kind of the founding founding father or the founding grandfather. Can we say that? <laughs> I'm gonna get you want. Yeah, your funeral. It's funny, um, Gordon. He's 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 a very very shy. Yes, the guy is he's very, not very quiet. No, no, yeah. no. He's very, very quiet and very unassuming. And um, yeah, we did a machine polishing course with him. It was a group day, mm-hmm. uh, a group two day. Uh, yeah, two days. I yeah, think he it was. was one of the first who started kind of weekend sessions for people to come in, and it was all on detailing world. Yeah, and yeah. Kind of started yeah, well, that fraternity. Yeah, that's how that's how I found out about it. it was on detailing world. The books. It was in Leeds, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that was the start. I thought buy a machine polisher, and and that was probably. 2011, 2012, 2011. What, what was your first machine polisher? 
Um, it was a Dodo Juice Spin Doctor. Oh, yeah, the rotary. The digital or the thumb wheel. Oh, no, the thumb wheel. Thumb wheel, um, yeah. Analog all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. digital. I still don't acknowledge the existence of Channel 5. <laughs> Ch- channel what? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, for ages, Dom didn't like selling people the, the thumb wheel version because a lot of basically amateurs were picking these up and burning through their paint so he was pushing lots and lots of people onto the the, the digital versions what's the difference does the digital do it for you are yeah well you just have a step up in sort of six and it, it just automatically controls it but it's Still. it's it's like just starting to thumb and going wee <laughs> no that's the fun part <laughs> i still do that yeah <laughs> Um, so the first business was finesse detailing. Yeah, we started a business. It was the most difficult thing finding a business name, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, um, so we found that finesse was the closest thing that I kind of liked. I wonder what inspired you. I mean, auto finesse was around by then. I mean, auto finesse apparently has been around for 150 years or something. But um, yeah, collectively. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to think because the others because finesse is now quite a popular name for detailing. Yeah, company. yeah. There's yeah. a guy that's um, I know there's a guy that wa- uh, wax stock and he's always got his finesse detailing. Yeah, and I think yeah, I remember the days. <laughs> I had that, you know. <laughs> uh, but we, we decided to rebrand. I mean, I was doing it out of a garage and it, it was okay as a starter. We, doing that for about a year and mm-hmm. that's really cutting my teeth in machine polishing and uh doing a car in a day which was hard bloody work yeah, hard graft, yeah. and um yeah but that basically the money that i earned doing that paid for better machinery cameras products mm-hmm. you know what is the experience that's probably the most and, valuable and, thing yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and and yeah it's it's so valuable that that first year and a half is critical mm. when you start detailing in terms of what you learn because you, you if you i'm a massive advocate of training mm-hmm. and i got trained right from the get-go with a machine polisher um because i didn't want to chance it and um yeah, just all through when I felt like I needed more training, I've, I've contacted the relevant the relevant people that mm. I'm interested in, see their work and think, wow, you know, I want to do what he does. And Because um, you train with Kelly Harris as well. Who? Yeah, um, he's a bloke down in Kent. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think heard I've heard of him, of him yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. It was a long time ago. Yeah, yes. yeah, it was, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did uh, I did some... I did, uh, <laughs> That's an in joke, Kelly by the way. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, 2012, I spent, um, I think it was three days with Kelly one-to-one. God, he and, must have been uh, middle-aged at that point. He, he was, yeah, yeah. I can hear yeah. his teeth grinding from here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, yeah what, dropped his walking stick <laughs> so. i'm just reading off the script here kelly i'm sorry it's what john told me to tell him something about 50p yeah whatever um, <laughs> so again you know starting starting straight off with the, the training it's always mm. been something i'd advocate for because it knocks years off of your your development stage if you like you, you, you have yeah. that learning curve don't you where if you yeah. don't have training it's a, it's a very steady one and it also drops off when you realize actually you need to know you need a a lot more knowledge than you can just yeah. pick up yeah i mean we we do training courses uh, as advanced detail and there's various courses we do like from a two-hour machine polish starter course right through to a master course where we actually get a vehicle in and that's their vehicle for the week to work on under our supervision and then they get to hand that vehicle back to a client at the end as their work so it's it's a course that encompasses everything um but um you know we 
that that sort of training we call it a fast track course into detailing because we're teaching them things that we've learned um over the 10 years we're teaching them and the mistakes they're going to make teaching them the mistakes and, and we get to have a jolly good laugh about them as well because you know there's some there's been some belters <laughs> uh, i mean that weren't particularly funny at the time <laughs> hindsight's <laughs> wonderful yeah. it's very it's, risky training on customer cars yeah happened. well pretty damn stressful to be fair yeah um but then you look and you, you can laugh about it after and you think well you know that was a learning experience but if someone can learn from that who i'm training then they're getting something out of it and mm. they're, they're actually a lot less likely to make that mistake but something we do do actually in the training is we do get them to mess things up and so not in the customer know, car not the customer <laughs> car no but on test panels and things yeah. like that and we you know ceramic coatings is a good one um where we we put some ceramic coating on a, a panel but don't take it off mm-hmm. and, uh, so you got the high spots yeah. yeah yeah now deal with that after 30 seconds now deal with it after a minute and it's a different <laughs> kettle of fish and the sandpaper's out but um yeah it, it's um it's something that really, um, especially the Kelly course, uh, it really fast-tracked me mm. into detailing. And, and um, yeah, um, but, again, Gordon, you know, very, very, very good at what he does. Mm. Uh, I had a conversation with Gordon the first time was applying a ceramic coating to a car. And uh, he, uh, I said, right, how do I apply this stuff? He's obviously nervous. Mm-hmm. And Was uh, he car pro at the time? Car pro, yeah. yeah. And it was... Uh, um the capro ones Seacourts UK Seacourts, that's yeah. the one yeah and uh he told me you need to do it this way because it's got this this and that in it that'll react with this this and that when it comes into contact with that and it's like garden you know I don't need to know this I just need to know how to apply the bloody stuff but he sits and he reads the data sheets and he figures out what's in it and then he from there on he goes and he figures out the best way to use the product, which is unbelievable. But it's essential. And this is something that I'm a big believer in. First mm. of all, is I always struggle with the kind of the master course, because you do obviously a master course, Kelly does master course and all yeah, the rest yeah, of it. But the yeah. idea of then coming out as a master detailer after five days of training mm. is always a, a tricky one because it's the, the experience it's, is, is it's, key. It's, it's that balance. It, it's a buzzword. Mm. It's, it's just like detailer. Yeah. And it, it's the master course because it's the most comprehensive course we offer. Mm. It doesn't mean they're a master detailer when they've completed the course. That's entirely up to them. That's a, yeah, exactly. You've got to leave yeah. it in their court, I guess. It, it's it's how far do they want to take it from there? It's giving them the knowledge. It's giving them the platform to take it potentially a long way. Yeah, uh, I think one of the really important things, and it's the difference between certain types of detail, and we'll come on to this because we've kind of classified detailers a little bit later on. Mm. But the um, importance of not just knowing how to do something, but why you're doing something. Bring, you know, your point about Gordon reading the data sheets. I mean, they're they're enthralling. There's you know, there's yeah. no sex or car chases that I've identified so far, but I live in hope. Yeah, you're, um, you're reading the wrong ones. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll revisit the car pro one. Yeah. Um, but it is just that, and that's something that we do from the magazine point of view. Is mm. it's all very well saying you know you add this say a fallout remover you know and how yeah. it changes color mm. that's people just say oh it changes color well yeah. we you know from our point of view we then look in why chemically and yeah. all the rest of it and now we've identified the ones that for example change color without actually being in contact with iron and it's, and yeah, sort of, yeah. it gives you a kind of a more holistic understanding of things i guess is the way of putting it but anyway anyway we digress we digress so uh we are 
you've done your training with Kelly, your kind of setup and your running, and then 2013, what happens in 2013? So basically, I um, I uh, was working at Royal Mail as a postman, mm-hmm. and uh, I just thought I kind of like doing this detailing thing, and started looking around for units, and because I'd obviously seen uh, Resastin take those steps, mm-hmm. and, and sort of kind of followed the flock, really, and, and thought, well, if he can do it, Mm. maybe I'll give it a go and uh, obviously the business thing I was wanting to run a business in the back of my head and I thought well maybe this is it and polishing cars they go hand in hand mm-hmm. this is something that you know could potentially work and got a unit under railway arch it wasn't a massive unit it was about 500 square foot sounds like full of character though it, yeah it was yeah <laughs> it's uh, very damp and <laughs> very miserable and cold but <laughs> It's, well, it is in Leeds. I mean, what do you expect? Well, you know, it's not <laughs> sunny down south. Right? But, um, but yeah, I, I still have very fond memories of that unit. And when I look back, there's still loads of pictures that I need to post on my social media of the last couple of cars that we did there mm-hmm. that have not got round to yet, That's, even though it's been five, six years. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but um, yeah, it, it was a very, very good platform. And, and you learn a lot in those first when mm. you when you've got a unit, you've got then responsibilities to exactly um, you're learning about business just as much as you are detailing you are yeah, yeah. And, and and the funding obviously was uh, uh courtesy of royal mail partly and courtesy of the cars <laughs> we were doing because you, you're never busy when you start usually it's, yeah uh, it's a good way in though i think i always worry when people say right i've quit my job i've done everything you know and now i'm, I'm going headlong into detailing and it's kind of on the one hand it's great mm. but on the other hand i know a lot of old school detailers who have been around for say you know five ten years and they almost all started doing you know had a day job of some description it's a bizarre it's a bizarre parallel uh, yeah. through most detailers but you know i think i think that's why a lot a lot do get on and have empathy for people that are or sympathy is that yeah. the word for people well, they're, they're, starting they're, they're similar things but the, uh, the yeah i mean for example so from a pvd point of view is mm. that in the early days we had no requirement to be full time because yeah, there were yeah. so many decent detailers who were doing it weekends yeah, yeah, yeah. and it gets the backup of people who are full-time because they're like oh well he can afford to, to charge lower prices because he's got a day job or mm. you know all of these things and i never thought it was quite fair and now now the policy has to be a primary occupation yeah but yeah, i think yeah. you know you want to help those people in those early days to get mm. you know get and develop to the point where they can jack in the job working mm. for you know tesco's or raw mail or whoever it is I've, uh, I've had so much help from and, and advice from other detailers and encouragement as well i mean mm. you know i mean there's obviously some that don't offer that Yes. Uh, but that's an individual thing. and mm. um, But, yeah, and I think, well, if I can encourage somebody or if I can give the right advice to somebody to start and say, well, it's not easy and it's not the best or most glamorous thing, polishing a Fiesta at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's a, Yeah, it's a certain look, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Ian. <laughs> we're just I've discussing previous. We're just discussing previous cars, and Ian happened to mention a Fiesta. That was the first thing yeah. that came. Oh, to I mentioned the Fiesta in. just Sorry. because they announced that they're no longer making it. Yeah, which yeah. I was a little bit sad about for a moment, and then I realised that I'm pretty shit cars. You know, you're not bothered now. Are you? <laughs> oh, I got over it. Well, hang on, a couple of points of information. They're not crappy cars. They're, they're oh, modern ones are awesome. Mod- no. I, I, yes. Well, modernish. I'd know four the later Mark, one, which the, I love. The Mark Four, you couldn't actually see um, anything that was coming slightly at an angle towards you because there was a massive A pillar in the way. It keeps life exciting. And you said you never polished yours. I have it on good information oh, no, that do. you, you yeah. did. You did polish yours by turning it on its roof and sliding along the road. Yeah, so, it was you know. it was going along and pacing the turtle wax on the road in front of me first. That took planning and time. <laughs> I, I, would, I would class that as more sanding than polishing, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The abrasive was quite aggressive. 
yeah. And in fairness, you're only there for half the journey. The rest of it, you decided to exit left out the windscreen and, and, and let the car do its thing on its own. Well, you, you, I had to get a wider angle shot. <laughs> it's all for the Instagrams. <laughs> of course, it didn't exist in those 80s days. Um, oh, but so, and now you're in a different unit from Under the Arches. Yeah, yeah. We moved uh, We moved out of that one. Um, so we did five years at that one. It got me, uh, got me through a lot of concentrating on that business because mm. it got me through a lot of difficult times and a lot of mental health problems and personal uh, issues um, back in 2013. It was fascinating. You said, so mental health is a thing that we try and talk about and we try and, you know, it's... It's, it's quite a bloke thing now, isn't it? it, it yeah. Well, I say that. I think blokes don't talk about their feelings as much no, for whatever no. reason. But no. what I really liked is how you said that it was actually detailing that got you through. Yeah, it was... It, it was I committed to the unit mm. and uh, um, we had, we're getting cars in dribs and drabs mm-hmm. and obviously funding it from my other job. And um, I was thinking, well, I need to do this job and I didn't feel like doing it, but I did it and forced myself to do it. Mm-hmm. And that got me through because one after another after another and then you're two, three years down the line and it's so far behind you. Gives you a focus. So, it does, mm. yeah. And, and and having that focus and not, not so much forgetting the problems, um, but dealing the dealing with them in your own time mm. rather than and having something it's a great anchor i found to hang on to mm. uh, when you're in in those times of trouble that you know that you really you really struggle to um I don't know what what the expression is. You're really struggling to carry on with just day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. Having that focus uh, and having that, well, he's paying me X amount of money, so I've got to do this, and it's got to be at a good standard. And it's the clients. Yeah, it's Uh, it's a motivator, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They're they're paying. And and that, even to this day, um, you look at the cars we're getting and the average spend is between twelve and fifteen hundred pounds now for the detailing and then go into the PPF, which is even more. Yeah. And you, you, I look and think, Christ, they're paying a lot of money for this. It's got to be good. Yeah. And I never I never think my work's that good, but obviously they say different and keep coming to me. So I suppose it's it's a self esteem thing. I mean, mm. for me, I mean I would struggle quite a while back with it and it was to do with kind of feeling like you're kind of not economically viable but like a like a justifiable human being and not mm. just a waste of space yeah and, yeah and being able to do things and, and generate it's not just to generate the money but adding value to the kind of the world as a wider thing yeah you yeah. know um and actually it was for me it was kind of 2011 2012 starting the whole pvd thing where i wanted to actually start something and, and there to be you know kind mm. of a tangible benefit adding thing having previously worked in it and you really don't feel that you make a difference in it yeah, you're just yeah. you're, you know you're just a bod so a lot of numbers isn't it and, yeah. yeah and it's 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 yeah it's also virtual that mm. you don't there's nothing there's literally nothing tangible yeah and and yeah. it's it's bizarre but yeah so detailing as a not a diversion but as a um a guiding thing and a motivating an anchor. thing yeah it was an anchor that's to, great for us. to hang on to and 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 yeah it was uh, it, it worked really well uh, for both my mental health and the business obviously mm. yeah you put <laughs> the energy into it yeah. put the energy the time and the effort and yeah and obviously loving what you do and loving the job is is a, a massive help mm-hmm um, not so much when you're at three o'clock in the morning thinking, oh, blimey, that's, where's that 14 hours gone? I should go home, really. Um, but yeah, I think every detailer out there that's 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 done the graft has done that at some point in their lives. Mm. And um, yeah, in 2017, we got the bigger unit where we, we actually built a unit inside a unit. 
Um, as so you do, was, standard. As yeah. you do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is way too big. I'll just build a smaller one and pay full rent. Russian dolls. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just we could put the lighting in the walls that we could never do in the old because of the because of the uh, constraints with what we could do with the landlords and what we couldn't do and everything. And, mm-hmm. and so that, and that was a game changer. And now everybody's got lighting in the walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, fantastic and um, great, great plan platform to go move on and move the business forward really. yeah i mean now you've got employee you're yeah, yeah, you know you're, yeah. you're, you're you're i'm not gonna say moving up because you're well up there already but you're kind of it's it's progressing it's, it's nicely always, there's always progress to be made yeah it's, it's always the next um yeah we're designing the next studio in my head <laughs> as, as i'm building this studio that we're in now it's bizarre yeah well they're never finished are they no it's, no and and uh, actually speaking of that speaking of development you i mean we first met waxstock many many years ago yes and yeah. you and i have have uh there are aren't many of us around who've been to every single wax stock i think yeah yeah i think i've attended every single one it's such a wax stock such a great event Mm. and um i knew that from the get-go in in, because it's it's just focused on the prep and the finish that goes on with the cars it's nothing to do with having air ride or scissor doors Mm -hmm. or fancy paint um you know it's just all about the cleanliness of the car mm-hmm. and i mean back in 2012 uh the standards weren't the standards are completely different now to what yeah. they were in 2012 um but some of the guys that are competing now like uh, this last year that's just gone uh, where i took the gt turbo to the standards are just incredible i mean one of the guys that was judging the uh, top 16 said yeah that five of mine should have been in there but we've spent five years doing that. Now, some of these cars that are showing in the top 16 are people's daily drivers. Yeah. And you think... How? Yeah. yeah. How, how, how can you keep it like that? How can you get it like that in the first place when it's a daily driver? And um, it's taken five years to build that car of mine. Well, I, I, mean, I know people standard. now are already talking. I've already seen one post about prepping already for Waxstock next crazy. year, which is is just so you got to yeah. you got to hand it to them on the dedication oh, side of things. Just see cars driving around covered in blue masking tapes most <laughs> of the year. There's got to be a better way of doing this. <laughs> well, speaking of stunning cars, so my memories of your cars at Waxstock are the Megane in lovely yellow. Yes, yeah. Your van, which won at least once. Twice. Twice, yeah. Twice, yeah. Um, and of course, and this brings us on to the car that we're going to be talking about in the magazine, mm. um, but it is your Renault 5 GT Turbo. That old thing. That old thing. <laughs> so um, obviously your first car was a GT Turbo, but it's not the same car. Uh, it's not the same car. The first one was a red G-Reg. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, then um, I had various other stuff. And then the Megane was the one that really got me going with the detailing and um, on the forum. So I kind of got that to thank mm-hmm. for doing what I do now, I suppose. And, um, you know, that one best paint, I think, in it's it won two awards at Waxstock. Um, one of them was best paint. I think it was 2014. Mm-hmm. And the Caddy Van won, um, I think it was best works vehicle. Yeah. In 2014, 2015, which was just blown away by, to be fair. It was, uh, yeah, I, uh, I couldn't believe it. But um, yeah. so, how did the because um, you say you put five years into the the white GT Turbo? Mm. Uh, how did you how do you procure it? Um, well, it was bought as a uh, it was bought as a well not a wreck, but it wasn't the best thing. And we, the the idea was we were going to uh, get it painted, mm-hmm. 
and then um, rebuild the engine as standard and uh, just have some fun with it, drive it on the road. But, of course, you start taking bits off and going, oh, that's not good, and mm. there shouldn't be a hole there. <laughs> this, <laughs> I know that feeling. Yep. I, I will say rust is lighter than carbon fibre. <laughs> it's all the air in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it just became something where we got to a fork in the road where it was either we're going to have it roadworthy and use it, or we're going to rebuild it completely from the ground up from a shell. Um, obviously took the uh, took the hard work route, <laughs> the red which, pill. Yes, yes, and and uh, regretted it many times since then. <laughs> the the bank accounts certainly regretted it. Yes, um, but the, your level of the, I mean the attention to detail on it is amazing. You were ceramic coating the inside of the door skins. From yeah, memory. yeah. The 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 fives aren't the best uh, known for being resilient to water, mm. and so I thought, well, I want to give it its best fighting chance. And and it's we we get asked this as a company all the time is how good can you make a car mm. and they come in and see a silver or gold detail and are quite astounded and you go well actually there's the answer sat there you mm. take a 33 year old car and you do what we've done with it there would never do it again no <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't afford more hair loss to be fair <laughs> <laughs> but, um yeah it, just how crazy can you make it well we can coat that paintwork we can coat that and the next minute all the under the carpets are coated and and yeah how many liters like, of g-technic did you use on it a lot of spare <laughs> bottles that were hanging around that are all empty now <laughs> so because it, it wasn't just a case of you uh replacing parts as they 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 fell off in the light breeze uh, yeah in the light breeze <laughs> yeah. you you're actually taking um taking things apart cleaning them restoring them mm. as part of it weren't you yeah yeah i did i did make the mistake of uh trying to take a seat belt apart which didn't end well <laughs> took my face off with the springy side <laughs> well it, was... might, it might have been we've covered a detail which was afagula who's now nbn but before he was running another company that i can't remember what it, what the name was but uh he had a skyline r32 which is one of my mm. all-time favorite cars and he yeah. was literally changing replacing bolts on on, yeah, on yeah, the engine yeah, because yeah. the bolts were slightly rusty so it's like yeah, no yeah, i'll change the whole bolt for it well that's that's what i mean we tried to save with that car we've tried to keep it as um as original as possible uh, as far as the the parts that have come off the car that we took off the car so things have been blasted uh, zinc plated nuts mm -hmm. bolts things like that uh, then it gets to the body panels and and the the metal on on them is so thin you could actually use them as a kite uh, they are <laughs> very flimsy yes. yeah <laughs> and and there's only so much you can do with something like that and we've been lucky enough to source quite a lot of panels um that are new old stock that have been in people's attics and things like that and so obviously those have got replaced all the drivetrain is pretty much brand new uh, newly built engine gearbox um the uh you know the brakes everything all the important oily spinny bits are all <laughs> the oily spinny bits yeah, like the... you're a mechanic yeah, yeah. yeah. so say if your brakes are oily then it's a bigger problem <laughs> then you will be doing yeah. some spinning they never go rusty though yeah. <laughs> which is the important thing with brakes yeah yeah, yeah. but um yeah it, it's um it's been a ground up nut and bolt proper restoration and by the sounds of it given that i know yesterday you were hunting down some extra parts and stuff for it in the boot of your mm. rather fancy pants bmw has, is full of uh, bits of renault yes oh, tell us about this place you went yeah all oh, right yeah gt turbo spares um just down the road what do they do from here <laughs> oh well uh, skylines funnily enough <laughs> no the um the we we've spent a lot of money with those guys and um it's, it's got a lot of um gt turbos in various 
states of disrepair. Yeah, how many did you say were in a field? Uh, around about 80, 86, something like That's that. That's ridiculous. I, I didn't even know there were 86 in existence yeah. anymore. Well, I didn't. Technically, there's not. <laughs> like how many people can you get in a phone box it's ridiculous but <laughs> if you uh, use a wood chipper quite a few well that's true yeah, mm. yeah um but um yeah um he's been the main man really for the parts and i mean a lot of the things that we've been getting have been um used parts but good used parts mm -hmm. but we've obviously had them blasted and and powder coated or zinced and what have you to make them look brand new so it's how it's not how it would look out of the factory at Renault, it's how good can we make it? It's how it should have looked. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, didn't because yeah, Renault. <laughs> Renault, yeah. 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 But it's how, how extreme can we make it? Um, but uh, it does get used, though. Yeah, you were uh, saying you blast up and down the Dales and, and you head yeah. up to 190 miles an hour on the M62 or something <laughs> yeah. like that. I said 200. Yeah, I thought maybe it was 200. 200 yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> now baking me a cake with a file in it to get out of prison. So. <laughs> You'll be fine in prison, honestly. Um, but the uh, the other interesting thing, so you're still working on that one, but you saying that you're already musing about potential oh, future things. and you, you have to go there? Well, you sent me a picture of a very sexy French saloon car that mm. I, I I admire. I would never want to own. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm I'm starting to think I would never want to own after speaking to a, another owner that's in Ireland, mm -hmm. <laughs> asking what's the part of situation like. So, uh, in in uh, this field, I can't really say too much, obviously, because he likes to keep the location secret and what he's got. Mm -hmm. um, but um, there was a um, a twenty one turbo quadra so it's a four-wheel drive mm. full leather and just sat there looking very sorry for itself um, with various trees and growing out of it and, and well the picture you sent was late last night you said it said something along the lines of better not drink any more wine otherwise this is going to be mine something of that line <laughs> yeah yeah um be uh, be going bankrupt if i go on ebay tonight <laughs> <laughs> so um but yeah it, it's a consideration it's it, looking at the car it was so straight mm. and it was like well that's better than the gt turbo was but do i really want to take on another french yeah. car that's got a a, a really serious part situation because the the gt turbos as, as rare as they are parts are still in abundance compared to the 21 turbos mm. and so it would be a difficult thing to do um but one of the other things that um and you might like this because you've mentioned peugeot already yeah one of the other things we've been looking into but just looking into uh, at the moment please say um, gti6 no uh, no uh, mi mi16 405 um, you've got some of the uh, some of the numbers right. It's something very very rare. Uh, something very very fast. Three hundred nine GTI. No, think eighties rallying. Oh, a Maxi. Mm -mm. No, Peugeot. Peugeot, uh, not the sort of Peridacal Pikes Peak style four hundred five. Getting very warm. Oh, Come on, I'm testing your knowledge. Uh, here. I, I, oh, oh, oh! Is it the one with the engine in the middle? Yes. Mm, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I've, I can picture it. It's in my head. Two hundred five T sixteen. Oh, T sixteen. Okay. And uh, so we've got several friends that own Group B cars, and and we've had various discussions, and and quite a few of them have built actually replicas, which mine. If if I decided to go down that route, would be, mm -hmm. um, but we would do it only if we could do it like we've done the GT Turbo and the level of detail, and and so it would look like an actual 
factory car. Will it be worth a fair bit more money then? I mean, with a with a 21, it's a very niche car. It is, yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, potentially the return, I mean, I sound like a car dealer here, <laughs> which I'm not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, ultimately you're looking for something, uh, you're looking for something that you've got a uh, an exit point with and it doesn't leave you by the side of the road absolutely mm. <laughs> penniless. Yeah, um, I can't offer any advice there. I'm into Subaru. It's, 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 it's a one-way street there. It's yeah. destitution yeah. and sadness. Um, well, lots of interesting stuff. We are going to take a little pause. Uh, and when we come back, we've got some more topics to talk about. And we're looking forward to it already. Yes. Detailer Magazine podcast, I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about two very cool gifts that we have that you can give to people at Christmas if you like them. The first, the car detailing set is hand wash only, the hardback book, all 144 pages, born to be mild, one of our all-time favourite shampoos from Dodo Juice, and a wash mitt with noodle on one side and gauze on the other for glass. Uh, that is $19.99, but for people you actually really like and want to spend a little bit more on, $28.99 and gets you the hand wash only book, the born to be mild shampoo. Poo, the wash mitt, Cabin Krug, an interior detailer, as well as Clearly Menthol, a glass cleaner from Dodo Juice. Really good one. Anyhow, it also has a microfiber and a back issue from the Pro Detailer Magazine portfolio. All available on our website, prodetailermagazine.com. Anyway, back to the podcast. And we're back. We're here with John Clough of Advanced Detail. Hello. And uh, we're kind of more looking at a kind of a, a business advice part of this podcast. It's just mm. you've been running for over 10 years yes. and um, it kind of going through what you've learned in that time and the importance. And, and the first thing was that kind of came on there is planning for a rainy day, how you kind of manage the ebb and flow of customers and income. Um, well, since taking on staff, uh, you've really got to have a rainy day fund mm -hmm. um, because obviously you're not just, uh, you, you, you can't go, well, I can, afford, I can afford not to pay myself this uh, this week because we've had a steady week. It's been a bit slow. You've got to have the money there to pay them. Mm -hmm. And and so it, it's all about financial management. Uh, it's become more of a um, more of an important um, thing to run it as a business rather than just like a hobby. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's an interesting distinction between the hobby detailer mm. and the business detailer. And almost all people, almost all people running a detailing business, almost I can think of some exceptions now, mm. started off as a hobbyist detailer. Yeah, but it's yeah. that important change in mindset. And we, I, I see this so often with people coming into the industry, is that they think I'm doing this because I really enjoy polishing cars. Fine. Yeah, yeah. But there's a difference between polishing your own on a Sunday afternoon and mm. doing customer cars day in day out, particularly when you're mobile in the weather. It's an interesting thing you say that. To be fair, but because um, I've, I've got a quite a, well, all my friends are into cars really, and I've got a friend that's got an M3 track car, mm -hmm. and it's been the back end's been through a barrier and it's been poorly repaired, but it's covered in swirls. And I went to see him the other day because I've not seen the car, and him and his buddy was putting some racing seats in it, mm -hmm. and he said, "Oh, do you fancy polishing this, John?" And oh yeah, and this have we got a machine? Yeah, have we got pads? Yeah, have we got a compound? Yeah. Go on then, plug me in. Yeah. And they thought I was joking. So I was doing it yourself then. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, almost. But um, and because there was no money involved and there was no expectations, uh, it, I was back to doing my own car before mm. I first started actually doing it as a, and it was great. I did polish a penis in his bonnet. 
<laughs> but I did, did, did you, I did polish the rest of it then. Did, did you did you like a template or just just <laughs> oh no just just, just straight that's out a, of the that's noise my mate so don't <laughs> I can see you've got your gain turned up to max. That's but. heavy. It's <laughs> wrong trails leg back up. <laughs> but there is um, yeah you're absolutely right there is that kind of we you know we do it because we love it but then we you know we all work full time in in the industry mm. one way or another and actually it can seem a little bit like work. It's uh, yeah I'm getting back to what we talked about in part one and the the exchange of money yeah when you do it and it gets to a point where it gets awfully serious with the amount of money and mm. and it, it becomes it becomes less enjoyable i hate talking about money when i'm talking to clients because I've, I've gone oh. through this list of everything that we can do for them and yeah. they're really excited and then you've got to go but it's going to cost you this much and they're, at that point they're either yeah fine or I only have oh, ten pounds. Yeah. Yeah. What, what can we do without all the preparation? Can you just polish it without washing it first? Do we have to have the penis in the bonnet? Yeah. <laughs> go faster, penis. <laughs> well, it's interesting. They all, they always go faster when I. Jesus, dearie me. <laughs> no, it's it, it's um yeah, it's all about managing expectations, so isn't it? And and I mean, it is. I always find it awkward. I used to find it awkward talking about money. And when I, I used to tell people my prices, I used to say it through gritted teeth. And you automatically talk yourself out of that customer because they're looking at you. You have to and, you know, maintain and, eye contact to keep dominance. Well, yeah, and yeah, yeah <laughs> in all walks of life. <laughs> I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> no, but you kind of, you're talking them out of it in a way. Um, because you, you want to be sure that the, the, the customer going... is fully on board with what you're doing yeah, because yeah. if it's not then he's going to end up disappointed yeah yeah well you're going oh, it's going to cost 400 quid and that because the way you're saying it they're thinking well that's expensive and why is he saying it like that where's when you say oh, are yes. you sure you want to spend it on that car yeah <laughs> really <laughs> yeah but um i think it's like i say it's getting back to managing expectations and and that's a that's been a massive thing for us mm. uh in uh in detailing and it, and it, it certainly helps and we always uh, we always try and undersell and over deliver yeah and uh yeah there's been uh, which is great up to a point but (laughs) sometimes you do have to kind of check yourself and go oh hang on a minute i've I've just given you two grand's worth of work for 500 quid (laughs) that's going to be expected so yeah yeah. and part of it i think also is is customer expectation and education Mm -hmm. a little knowledge is a dangerous thing so you have a customer who's seen a video on tickety talk or whatever it is and they think that that is what you're going to do because you're a detailer and they think that their 60 quid valet or your 60 quid valet is gonna you know do do all these amazing things for them when when i first started obviously you're looking at the competition and you're worried and going god well i really need work because i'm i'm really struggling here i've got the rent to pay on the unit and you know you want to be successful and and Mm. the work it just doesn't come like that and you you've really got to work at it and get your portfolio and get known and Mm. and, you know get trusted basically and uh yeah you get you get guys that are doing the same what what a customer would see doing the same for 200 quid that you're spending uh, that you're charging 800 pounds for mm. and they go well what's the difference and chances are that guy isn't your customer if he's having to if he doesn't see value in your 800 pounds job let the 200 guy, 200 quid guys do it because he'll see the value in that then but the, the other problem with that is that you don't know and you can't communicate to the customer what 
that other detailer's situation is. His dad might own the entire industrial estate yeah. and he's not yeah. paying any rent or he could be doing it part-time or he's got a, a redundancy settlement that's that's paying him out over time so yeah. he doesn't need to earn as much so he's building his business like that. So mm. that it's, it's very... It's in a very easy trap to to, to fall into. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, comparing yourself to everyone around you, you've got to work out your own prices, what yeah. what your yeah. business actually costs you, and what you can fairly charge to a customer. Mm. I mean, one of the problems is obviously a customer is always looking for value, and I think there's a huge difference between cost and value, mm. and and explaining that to people is important. The problem I've seen in a couple of circumstances is so there's a, a town in England. I'm not going to go any more detail than that, and there are. Um, to my knowledge, four detailers. And uh, one of them is significantly cheaper than the others. Mm. Now, it's not actual quality. It's not time spent on car. There is no tangible, huge difference between them. But as as one, just as Ian sort of referred to, is he's working rent-free out of a family-owned unit. Mm. Now, it's all very well to explain to the customer, well, I've got rent to pay, but that doesn't actually give the customer any extra value. He might be going, well, yeah. they're cheaper. Sure, his overheads are down, but if the quality mm. works the same. So there are there are lots of barriers, and I always feel that's really unfair when you've got that sort of competitive advantage in the market. But is that sustainable uh, and over time and when it becomes not a family-owned... Uh, probably not, but he'd probably, you know, the, the business, he'll, he'll retired by the time all that happens. So, yeah. so it is, it is an unfair advantage, and yeah. life is unfair. It's not, it's not a level playing field, it, it, exactly. But uh, focusing the customer, those things aside, explaining to the customer the difference between cost and value, and as you say, is if you genuinely believe the value you are giving the customer, and you present the price in such a way, mm. they're much more likely to come to it. And if you know, you do get people you spend half an hour explaining a service, and it's a, I don't know, six hundred quid service, something like that, yeah. and they turn around, they say they've only got fifty quid to spend or they've seen it on the yeah, internet for yeah, 60 quid. Yeah. As you say, they're not your customer. No. And you've just got to be, I don't know, I, I noticed with a lot of the more established detailers such as yourself is that you kind of learn pretty quickly to root out the time wasters. It's, it, we, we let the, uh, the website do all the talking yeah. and the pricing. And we've had many people say, oh, don't put pricing on. But yeah, but that stops your phone ringing with the people that potentially could be time wasters because they look on your website. Well, they've seen your works, they follow it on social media, they look at your website, it's nice and professional. And then uh, you, you just basically they look at the pricing and go, well, can we afford it? We can't afford that. We'll go somewhere else. Mm. And, you know, the phone calls you get then are generally, you know, 80% of them are genuine bookings straight away, whereas before when you didn't have the prices on there, you you know. They need it, to ask the question. Yeah, yeah. The, and the, the ratio is a lot lower then because you're having to try and justify what you're actually charging and the, all that time you're spending on the phone, then you're wasting the time with the car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a friend of mine runs a Subaru engine building company. Surprise, mm. surprise, the people I mix managed with. to mention Subaru twice now. Oh, oh you wait. Um, <laughs> but entertaining. So his he what he does is build performance race engines. They're mm. sort of normally, how do you know him? How do I? Because <laughs> I can aspire. <laughs> um, but obviously, building engines is an expensive business, and um, he has now said, right, there is a hundred pound fee mm. to get a quote. Right. Yeah. So if you go through and you go through it, that's fine. That comes off it. But because it takes him so long to figure out which pistons and what overbore you want and, and all of these different bits and bobs, um, he says that now you pay £100 straight off and then we'll go through. I'll, have, I'll phone you up. We'll have a conversation about your build. Uh, and if you want to go ahead, great. If you don't, that's fine. But he says even on that, he'll spend two hours putting together the spec. Yeah. And so he's only making 50 quid an hour doing that. And, and he's you know super skilled. He could be making yeah. three times that. Yeah. Um, 
And he says it has been an absolute miracle for his business because mm. suddenly he's getting much more done. The people who are contacting him are serious. Yeah. And I've yeah. seen a couple of detailers do this where as soon as you're talking about anything involving kind of correction work, they say, it's, right, come in for an assessment. The assessment mm. costs you 50 or 100 pounds. Yeah. And it includes a wash because obviously it's difficult to tell the condition of a filthy car. Mm. So they come in, they get a kind of a detailed wash and it's put on the ramp and they look at it and then they talk about it. And he mm. said, in terms of the number of inquiries, it's probably down. 60 percent 70 percent but yeah. in terms of the closing the, the quality exactly yeah, yeah. is much higher and he says life is so much easier because he hates having spent half an hour with somebody and basically having to tell them to bugger off or being told getting abuse the other direction saying you're way too expensive you're a dreamer mm. by usually by a lawyer who charges 300 pounds a year to just <laughs> recite a law book what a load of bollocks that is yeah. um but anyway my point being is is yeah pick pick your audience target that audience and and then you're, you're gonna be doing much better there's just one other aspect to that and that's the other end of the scale and I've, I've had this on occasion. Don't know. You, you may have, may not have, where you've underquoted and someone's gone away because you're too cheap. Yeah, you've misjudged them, as it were. You, you've taken, you've not gone deep enough into the service. Mm. You've not accounted for enough. They've got a price in the head of maybe, oh, this is going to cost me three and a half grand. You've come back with a nine hundred pound quote in 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 twenty. Uh, well, in late 2014, 2015, when we went G Technic accredited. That Christmas, um, my business was in a critical condition in terms of, you know, this is I've not got money to pay the rent here, and we were we did a, a special offer on a, um, I think it was a uh, an enhancement, and it was uh, I think it was two nine uh, two two seven five normally three fifteen, and nobody bet, and he was like, God, what's going on here? because that's, that's a bargain. And mm-hmm. they were getting the same. We weren't cutting corners. So we were doing a proper job. And then that leads into going accredited with G Technic. And the price increased. Uh, that was increasing from 315, which it normally be. It's nearly 500 for something golf sized. And you're thinking, well, how's that going to work? Because if they're not biting at that price, how are they going to pay the mm-hmm. extra? And when we did charge the extra, the client base completely changed and people were turning up. They weren't time wasters. They wanted the work doing. Every time the phone rang, um, it was another guy that was waiting with a £50 deposit, no questions asked. They wanted us to work on the car. And like I say, the dynamic completely changes of the uh, of the client base when, when you're charging the right money mm-hmm. for your service. Yeah, I've heard that over and over again. There have been some who... so. Part of the only fans again. <laughs> no, I can't get above fifty p for that. Um, the um, part of the accreditation for the PBD is that we actually look at the pricing, the service structure, and make sure it's sustainable. Because I don't want to spend the effort on somebody who's charging so little they're going to be out of business in six mm. months. Yeah. And on quite a lot of them, I'm telling them, look, you need to put your prices up. They're like, oh, nobody's going to pay that. Nobody's going to pay that. Mm. And sometimes they don't, and they despair and fine, whatever. Mm. But quite often they do, and their business just improves dramatically. It's, uh, it's a confidence thing, and I, mm. I've I've been there a lot. And you, you look at the prices, and I, me as a person, I've never had that much money uh, in terms of working a day-to-day job to actually pay for a car to be detailed. And even now when I do what I do for a living, I don't really see value in it. But customers come and say, and that's probably a wrong thing to say in my mm. profession. Well, it's, but it's imposter syndrome. Yeah, kind mm. of. And um, But obviously they keep coming, they keep wanting to pay. They, you know, they're giving us 
good reviews and so you, you run with it and think well i suppose someone does see value in it but i i don't think i ever will I, because yeah. of the, where i've come from i about to say i think we need to put ourselves in in customer shoes quite a bit because mm. to put it in perspective for example i know there are people uh close to my heart who spend i think 60 or 80 quid getting their nails done mm. on a very regular they basis do look nice they, they do thank you um <laughs> i was gonna say is it the dogs <laughs> <laughs> feels like it sometimes and i sit there and i think i would that I, I still get a bit bitchy if i have to pay more than five pounds on the haircut as you can probably tell <laughs> um but uh, there's another person in preparation for a wedding they were getting the hair done it's like 300 quid and i'm sitting there thinking who the hell spends that sort of money on a moving target like hair it's entirely irrelevant um and sort then the person who decides to get married yeah dicks <laughs> um and then um the, <laughs> that's another in joke um the um but the point being is that um uh, yeah, we need to put them in, 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 in put ourselves in their shoes. Because again, buying a car, I'd see anyone who spends a quarter of a million quid on a Rolls Royce, and I'm mm. thinking, there are people starving on the streets, and there you are flashing your cash. What a tit. Mm. I never spend more than a £1,000 at any one time. It might be weekly, but at any one time, on, on an old banger car that I normally drive. But it's it's where Values people... Values in the eye of the beholder. Ex- ex- mm. Exactly. Exactly that. It's all relative. Mm. Oh, relative. It is indeed. Indeed. Around heroes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, relative to Swindon, it's not a good start. Um, so uh, the other thing I kind of wanted to look at is is when you're running a business, getting to know. So I was talking to a, a new applicant, in fact, and he was explaining that he's only been going six months, but he's been amazed at the difference, because, for example, between school holidays and not school holidays mm. and how things you were talking earlier about slowing down towards Christmas. Mm. And now with new cars in the old days, we used to get tons of new car protections kind of September time and March time when the registrations came in. But because of macroeconomics, should we say, without going to detail, COVID, um, the uh, delivery of new cars seems to be consistently throughout the year there are no surges and so transferring these kind of macroeconomic factors and macro society factors into your own effectively little detailing business mm. and being aware of things and i talked to one guy not long ago and he was in a right state you know business is very close on the edge and you know you know what it's like it's it's nerve-wracking stressful and he felt i think so much better because when i was explaining why these things might be happening he was like mm. oh so it's not my fault it's like well unless you invented covid mm. and the product shortage of all the microchips and all the rest of it it's probably not your fault yeah and that made him feel better. But then it's also thinking around the problem, thinking, okay, so this is the situation. How how am I going to develop my business, adjust my business, adjust my business plan mm. to suit for this? So you were saying earlier that around kind of Christmas time, you start saving in terms of when you're spending on machines and new kit and stuff you yeah, do that yeah we're, we're not as frivolous shall i say <laughs> <laughs> what a yorkshireman being tight oh fly me it's just a rumor <laughs> um so that was the side of it and and as you were saying also there's the impact of responsibility of employees mm. and, and rent and all of these overheads and, yeah. and you've really got to i don't you've know got to plan for it yeah and you've got mm. to kind of put your grown-up shoes on and assume the worst yeah assume the worst and think ahead and also plan it and also what what you spend out on because again i see quite a lot of people cutting all their marketing budgets people you know obviously with ppf and stuff you can spend quite a lot of money on google yeah uh, and all the rest of it and the first thing they do when things get tight is stop spending on advertising and their complaint is we don't have enough customers thing you can ever do stupid (laughs) um i'm not allowed to say that directly to their faces so i just i just wobble on the phone um but again is to think okay I need more people through the door or I need higher spend per person or, you know, what you need. And then um, coming up with that and, and coming up with a solution and not shooting yourself in the foot by reducing, uh, you know. Uh, do you know what? I think I think attitude has a lot to do with it. Mm. 
And um, I know I've I've had a poor attitude towards business when I've been quiet and and gone oh, good we're quiet. There's nothing coming through the door. What what mm. do we do? You know, and, and I've turned just, the lights on. What, what more do you want? Yeah, me to yeah. You just, <laughs> yeah. you just and the problem is you're doing the same thing over and over again and not changing anything up, and that you're getting the same result. Mm. And and I found um, we got a bit quiet because we were absolutely rushed off his feet a few months ago, and so I'd slowed the advertising down. And then you look and in, in the diary, and you're, oh god, we need mm. to, we need to start Frottle this again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, the more you focus on the things that are coming in rather than the things you don't have in it just starts flowing again mm-hmm. and uh, you know the tap starts stops dripping and starts running yeah and um so i think i think i've definitely for for myself running the business and and trying to get the work through the door it is a lot of attitude but then having a positive attitude you do positive things you look in a positive light you're not stood about scratching your ass mm. and going oh god it's not working this is going to this is going to fold ultimately you're actually going out there and doing posts and advertising and, and promoting and mm. you know you, you're actually going out you, you're going after it you're being proactive so, yeah. yeah yeah and it is slightly a blame game i see people who will either blame themselves think it's all their own fault they go their mood goes down everything goes down because mm. they're unhappy about it and then you get other people who will blame anything but themselves everybody's fault but theirs yeah, exactly and i come across both types and it's both very destructive because there needs to be a element of okay looking at it rationally and saying this is not my fault but if i'm not going to do anything about it it is my fault yeah you know and your responsibility extends to your business and that's it and so working within that kind of bracket it's interesting and i fear with the cost of living and all that jazz that's coming along Mm. recession um there's there's a lot of noise and i mean i don't mm. i don't I, i don't want to dismiss everything that's going on and all the bad things that are going on at the moment like recession as noise um but um a, a good friend of mine andy allen from a plus detailing in uh, in ireland he's one of my master pupils as well and he's got a fantastic outlook and he's just so focused on his business that all this noise external noise about what's going on with the economy mm. it doesn't it doesn't even register. It doesn't matter because he's so focused and the work keeps coming in because of that focus. And he's just, he's like you say, he's proactive mm-hmm. and he just does it automatically without thinking. It can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, if you're worried absolutely. about it and it's all oh, the recession on, I'm going to give up and become a greengrocer or something. I think a lot, a lot, a lot of people uh, see see what's the, the headlines in the news and they say, oh, there's an economy crash. Uh, everyone's going to have less money in their pockets but you also have to kind of think well individuals economies are a bit of a seesaw so Mm. whilst one person's business may be going down generally that's going to push someone else's Mm. business up and through the roof so yeah like debt collectors or well (laughs) in, in, in my case um stove shops (laughs) <laughs> electricity is going through the roof if you walk into any place that sells wood burning stoves in the country right now they are super flush because i've yeah. got a three and a half month waiting list to yeah. get one installed in my house I, it's a thing i used to work for um, I'm in it but they were av so they were selling big screens and all the equipment that you need and they had two sides of the business they had the sales business and the rental business and when businesses were struggling and the recession was happening the the rental went through the roof and then when people were flusher they were buying and so the buying side it was a very well resilient company it's like houses. 
It's a, it's a case of maybe you need to reassess your, your client base, go out and look in places that previously maybe weren't doing so well, and now they could be flush. Yeah, undertakers, for Pivot. example. They'll, they'll actually pay good money for, for that. <laughs> but, but the um, – God, that's a bit morose. Um, that's that's the whole thing is, is to be aware of what's going on and, and, and think about it. And mm. the other side, of course, is – I hate to say it, and I sound a bit lefty here, but the rich always somehow manage to stay rich. During the recession, the likes of Rolls-Royce mm. were doing stunning business. Um, and at the same time, the rest of us were, you know, fighting on baked beans. So it's it's you look look at who's doing they've, okay. They've 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 got there mm. a certain knowledge and skill set, and they stay up there because of that knowledge and skill set. But then that's a nice way of putting it. I mean, it, it's it, it's bizarre because we <laughs> some some of my friends that follow our, our social media and they look at the cars we're doing and and. They say, oh, we saw that XYZ that was in that was like half a million pounds. Oh, Tesla bought out a new car, have they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got Elon's Musk floating about in it. <laughs> so, yeah. Ew. Pay extra money for that. Um, but, um, yeah, they, they go, oh, how the other half live. Mm. It's like, well, that's that's a really poor attitude towards it mm. because they've they've sweat and toiled and, and most of them have you know, the the self-made mm. and they've not been born into it and they've taken a step out onto the ledge and a lot of our clientele, um, we, we have quite a lot of conversations with how they've got to where they are. I find it fascinating. Mm. And th- they're all humble people and they say anybody can do it. It's just uh, a mindset and it's just having a focus on where you want to be and pushing through and keeping on going and you find one way that doesn't work, you find another way that does. Yeah. And they generally recognise the amount of luck that's involved, being the right place at the right time, talking to the right people. It, it's it's taking it's, an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it's it's a bit of an awkward conversation when when someone's complaining about the circumstances, and you're thinking, well, you could actually change that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot. I see it, and you you get a lot of jealousy within the detailing traders. It oh, is quite yeah, often, and yeah. it is it's pretty pretty foul, really. But the mm. um, one thing is, it's always oh, had all the luck, and I sit there and think, mm. yeah, luck's important, and and. Um, First to say luck's important. However, as a detailer, you make the luck. So I'll give you an example. There's a chappy up in the northwest, and he, he does a lot of Ferraris. Mm. And uh, talking to another detailer local, and he's, oh, he's so lucky he's got that contract with all the, all the Ferraris, a private collector. I was like, it's not luck, because he was up at 6 o'clock yeah. on Sunday mornings going to these Ferrari meet shows, yeah. talking to people. Yeah. Um, he got himself all, he's got all the kit and everything like that, and um, he's, he's got these cars coming in. And he not only made the luck, by, by being there and putting the effort in. But he spotted the opportunity. He talked to the person with the cars. He got the contract and the job was done. The other bloke was probably just recovering from a from a hangover having been out on a Saturday night. So it was not, you know, it's not that he was lucky. It's, he was hardworking. He spotted an opportunity and he went for it. So shut up. <laughs> we've, trained, we've trained people before and obviously follow them and follow what they do. And Sounds know, creepy. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of uh, car orders. <laughs> Restraining <laughs> what do you think those files are full of? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, armed escort. And um, no, I, um, you follow them and you follow the work and, and sometimes they'll pop up with a car that you've not done anything. You little bastard, I only trained you last year and you're doing something I've not done. <laughs> but th- then you think, well, you know, hats off. Good 
good for you. Mm. You know, good for you. And um, it, it's great to see that side of it. And it is. And here, it's. I, I don't often say nice things about the youth because, mm. frankly, I'm quite scared of them. But <laughs> young folk, like in their twenties, I've seen you know members and non-members and all the rest of it are doing new and innovative ways of doing stuff. And mm. and it's some of them it's working, some of them it's terrible, some of them I'm just sitting there waiting for it to go all, all wrong, not in a kind of hopeful way, just in a kind of oh Christ, that's a that's a risky yeah, line to yeah. trust. And I've seen quite a lot of the older detailers be very snobby and unpleasant towards these young whippersnappers and say, oh, you can't do that. That's wrong. You know, but this isn't a new thing. No. Uh, it's been we're, around. We're just for... getting older and becoming that generation. <laughs> older and grumpier. Yeah. 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 But but that's why I like to see the, 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 the young detailers coming around. You know, mm. they are, on the one hand, you get the other old details. Oh, it's anybody can do it. Oh, it's market saturated. Oh, you're just stealing my, my work from me. We, but the other half is these guys are doing really cool things. We, we had, um, we had a, a chap that commented, we had a, a Range Rover in. We had to, uh, it had spent its life with a dog in the boot. Mm-hmm. Not permanently, obviously. Is it alive or dead? I was about yeah. to say, it, yeah. makes, it makes a difference. It, it, it takes I, about 11 hours if it's like winter. Yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> Have you timed it? I couldn't tell you really with the smell whether it was alive or dead, but I would think the latter. It's details, details. Yeah, yeah, anyway. And and we'd we'd removed the dog hair using one of these um, rubber brushes that Mm -hmm. was about two nights, and we got this this obviously old valeter that popped up, and it was, oh, what's a... That's a a a £2.95 item off wherever, Mm. um, referring to the tool we'd used to remove the hair, and it's like... And your was point it, is, was it one of the blocks? Yeah, I only found this out the other day. The woman, there's, um, they're made by a company called Jenny something, and she's based down in Stroud, and she sends out something like two hundred thousand a year for the, her garage. Are these the green ones? That yeah, the smart, yeah, yeah, yeah. smart doing yeah. everything. Based yeah. literally down the road here. Oh, we yeah. should go and pay. Random, random fact. Pay. Anyway, is it? Oh, yeah. on with the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you digress. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> It's just like your point is that, yeah, I've spent 295 on it, but it's the work that's going into it to remove them. And the client doesn't want to do that. And mm. you're someone that does this for a living, criticizing me that does something for a living when you should be concentrating on your business mm-hmm. and let me concentrate on my business. I'm not selling to another detailer I'm selling to the clients that aren't in the know. Yeah. I've got an image of the client putting the, uh, the, the rubber brush into his boot and just staring at him. Why are you not working? <laughs> I put yes. you in there. Just take the dog hair out. <laughs> Need to well, put batteries in it first, yeah. Ian. Well, it's when they say, "Oh, your flash. You spent two ninety five. You can just do it with your skin. Just do it this way, and then you know, two just days lick later, it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, this trade is funny. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, shall we do the ten questions? Is it about that time? Uh, mm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm looking at the clock as if it makes a difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we're far too late. Too late. Speaking okay. clock, you know. It'll have to be eight questions. <laughs> so, um, leave the Subaru one off at the end if you want. Uh, it's midway through. It's an important question. I shan't leave it out. Bugger. But Yeah, that's no, fine. Well, I know where you live. Um, <laughs> so, what is your current car? Your daily, uh, shall we say, because I know you've got more than a couple. Uh, right. It's a BMW 6 Series Grand Coupe. It's a very pretty car. I love it. And it's a 640D, so it's, it's a pokey one. It's a stunning car. Yeah. It's my first BMW, and going on that, it's certainly worked been my last. Yeah. It's superb. I'm, I'm not a huge Beamer fan, but if I were to have a Beamer, actually, I've got a long list of Beamers, I'd have, my God, I might actually be a closet Beamer fan. 
I was thinking about this on the way down. Best looking BMW. It's, 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 We're going on a tangent it, here already. It's I know, what but... John's got. It's a six series. It's the four door six series. See, I, th- I think it's actually the Z4. Uh, that's that's uh, yeah, but that's a different uh, kettle of fish, though. <laughs> that's 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 something that your family can. But, uh, yeah, but just, just yeah. visually, I think the Z4 mm. is probably the best looking oh, yeah. BMW. Yeah. I quite, I quite, I hate to say, I quite like the Z8 and the one that was in Bond. Yeah, it's not a good looking car. Oh, I don't know. It's weird. Z8 a few uh, months or so back, and yeah. it's a pretty car. But yeah. I think, I think interior is nice too. I, I think because you don't see many of them, it's got this golden glow around it. Oh, so actually, no. So I might be thinking of the Z1. That's the one that has the doors that go under itself. Oh, that's the Z. Yeah. Uh, that is the Z1. Yeah, no, and, yeah, no, that is pig ugly. Uh, no, I'm thinking of the Z. But then there's a Z3 M coupe, which looks weird, but I quite like it. Which one? What? The, oh, the um, red van one. Yeah, yeah, no, that is a cool clown looking shoot. car. Yeah, they're horrible to drive. Yeah, oh, for me, I, I hated it. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, there are lots of things, but then like that that Z one with the silly doors and it's underpowered. It's only two little uh, two point five. Um, actually, it's modular. You can take it apart. It's got a space frame underneath. Technically, it's very clever. Visually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so your current car is one of the few very good looking BMWs. Yes, you've that's got... that's why I bought it because I love on the looks. looks of it and obviously then the drive of it and the way on the motorway it gets to seventy mile an hour is uh, not more though. Talking just seventy, just seventy, yeah, yeah, yeah. seventy-seven technically. Yeah, <laughs> well, that'll be classed as speeding if you know you're doing seventy-seven. Ah, uh, you got the tolerance though. I mm. some places have taken it down from the two percent to three percent. Oh, Exciting yeah, yeah, up to the minute, two miles an hour. <laughs> well, I still remember when Clarkson and Co were in Australia, and it was on the Australian special near the M6 version. I think it was the M6 version of the four door. It was, it was lovely, lovely, lovely car. Anyway, what is your dream car? Ooh, money, no objects. That's a tricky one. Um, Don't say a GT Turbo, surely. No, twenty-one. No, I'm a bit more as- as- <laughs> aspirational than that. Yeah. I think uh, a car to look at would have to be. We did a Pagani Wire in 2017. Mm, okay. In fact, that was the one we had at Wax Stock. Yeah. And just just to look at, you just open the clamshells and you just spend hours. Mm. And we spent hours working on that car. And every time you worked on it, you saw something new on it that you'd not seen before. Um, so Pagani is something that you'd, you'd like to go and see, like in a museum or something, just go and look at them it, from every angle, inspect them, but it, it's just scared crapless to drive it anywhere. It's it's part fighter jet and yeah. part work of art. It, it's, they, they are incredible. And the detail that goes into them... I mean, we stood looking at mm. that car, and and you look at it, and as with that, with all the clams shut, and you go, well, that's a one point two million pound car there, and you go, mm, yeah, it's expensive, but then when you start looking into <laughs> the details, yeah, just a bit, <laughs> but when you start looking into the details and all the little bits and bats, and you think, how the hell have they done it for that sort of it's money? Back to the value question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah. See, for me, Koenigsegg, uh, sorry, not um, Pagani, rather, doesn't appeal because it is so, it's a vanity project almost. I know they did it a Hawaii yeah, like, oh, it's not a, It's tracky. not a nice car to drive. No, I, it, but f- from my point of view, a similar thing, I love Koenigseggs because they're mm. technically, they're not pretty, but they're technically, they're an engineering. They're cars, it, the Koenigsegg. They've got impact, but the, the latest one with it, it's got a tiny wee engine that makes billions of horsepower mm. and, and it's got like without it doesn't even have valves or doesn't even have camshafts if you, if you really looked clever. into what he's doing with I think it's a Volvo he's got and he's got um, is it electronic valves or something something, yeah. something really really something no one's done very very clever man Christian yeah Christian what's his face and the yeah. gearbox it's, it's got you know how you've got double clutch gearboxes his is 
got something where it can select any gear up or yeah. down. And, and it, yeah. yeah, that's just an all gearbox. Well, <laughs> <laughs> technically, <laughs> technically, but no, he's he's for me. If I was ever to be in such a flash car, which I wouldn't, because poor, but um, too and, tall <laughs> and too tall. Normally, well, no, actually, Mr. Konezegi Chappy, he's 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 my size. Is he? I mean, he's a bit broader and more muscular and, and, and considerably more handsome and rich, but but yeah, he's we're the same height. But height, height-wise. Height-wise, yeah. yeah. Height, height. He's got Great less hair to worry twins. about. He does have less hair, or, or as I like to call it, less drag. I'm starting to come around to a pro ball situation. He's, he's grown too tall for his hair. <laughs> I thought you said a pro balls. <laughs> <laughs> that and the drag comment was starting to build some questions in my head. As long as you don't put Queen in there, we're all safe. <laughs> uh, bless. Right. Um... So I think I know the answer to this question. First car that you ever detailed, um, by the sounds of it, was your dad's car. Um, well, it's it's not really detailing, is it? Just washing it. And, mm. So, I mean, properly detailing it where we machine polish would have probably been, are we talking in training or are we talking as my own project? I think as your own thing. The first car that you sit back there, right, what's the first car that I kind of detailed properly? Probably an Audi A3. Okay, so fairly mundane, but Mizano red. Ooh, I've got an Audi A2 Mizano red. Well, it's it was pretty colour, pretty yeah. colour under light. Yes, yep. But the lacquer fails. Uh, yes, that mm-hmm. is stone chips galore, and that's it. No lacquer on the front bumper. Yes, I have a five hundred pound car that needs a five thousand pound respray, <laughs> and it's very very annoying because I sit there just looking at the lacquer. You literally just hand size missing lacquer. Oh. It drives me potty. But every time the sun comes out, I'm like. Ah. <laughs> if I just sell the dogs and, and, and you know go on the game for a night or two no a year or two in Swindon then I might be able to afford you know a deposit on the respray anyway um, uh, personal question mm. serious how many buckets do you like to use oh now give me a minute <laughs> so uh, so wash rinse wheels okay so it's, you're up to three yes um, we have one of those fancy um, pad Washing yeah, the late country ones. Yeah. Yes, not a new one though. It's one of the old. Oh, it's the old ones. Ones with the removable little dome yeah, thing on yeah. the top. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, who did those? I thought it was late country too. No, the, the, was it um, detail the, the red one. Yeah, the, I think it is the late. It is late country. They're two thousand yeah, rather than the. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 One of those that's gathering dust upstairs, and um, yeah, uh, then we have one to catch the dripping. Tap water. Um, uh-huh. so, does that count? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, five buckets. One to catch my tears. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. So we're at five buckets. Um, another deeply personal question. Yes. Rotary or DA? Ooh, now that is a question. Mm. Um, on a day-to-day basis, we use DA. Yep. Every time I pick up a rotary and we finish the GT turbo down with a rotary, I'm like, where have you been all my life? I should really Why are my hands not numb? (laughs) Yes, exactly. And and I love the skill set of a rotary. I love the challenge. And the problem with the DA, well, it's not really a problem. It is if you want to use your head when you're detailing, Mm -hmm. you switch off. It's driving an automatic versus driving a manual. It it is, yeah. You don't have to think too much about what you're doing, and the machine's doing all the work for you, whereas the the rotary is more of a skill set. Um, But the feedback you get from the rotary. So if it was doing one more detail and it was going to be the final one, it would definitely be on rotary. Mm. And when you find yourself using rotary, you're saying you pick it up to finish off cars. Are we really talking to use it for dueling, or do you use it for the whole lot? 
um, finishing and jeweling mm. usually. Um, but yeah, it's I, I just love the skill set and the, there's just the smoothness. It's kind of the art of it, isn't it? You're saying you're yeah, a musician. It is, yeah. It's kind of like when you get all the chords right on a particular track, yeah, it's kind of yeah. satisfying. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a more satisfying, very, it's more time consuming. It's not mm. as efficient. True, commercially yeah. speaking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's uh, again, it's getting back to the business thing, isn't it? Well, this is the, the basis of the next question. Do you prefer a coating or do you prefer a wax? Um, Right, I love the I love the packaging on waxes. <laughs> I love I love the look of them. Um, you part magpie. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. It sounds like yeah. you're being polite. You yeah, know, you introduced to a new person, but, but yeah. the shoes were nice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the rest of them was a bit of a twat, but they're still they're nice shoes. Plenty of those. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I love the packaging of waxes, but if it was my own vehicle, as they have on all of them, it's a ceramic every time. Mm-hmm. It's just it. It's just easy to maintain it's very very durable and um yeah i've looked into going um going accredited with a a very well-known wax company Mm -hmm. and i just it's just not financially viable because Mm. it'd fill it'd fill my glass case full of lovely looking waxes that never get used yeah yeah no i hear you on that you on that uh okay a fairly relevant question ferrari or porsche Uh, Oh, now, Um, it would have to be a Ferrari because I'm not owned a Ferrari, but I have got a Boxster RS60, which I'm very quietly in love with the way it drives. Mm -hmm. And I think eventually, if it does happen and I get into a Ferrari, I will end up back in a Porsche. Okay, that's interesting. If you were to have a Ferrari, which Ferrari would you have? This isn't technically one of the... Realistically speaking, in terms of what what I would possibly be, no, we're kind of back into dream territory. If you could dream territory, F fifty, F fifty, yes, that's everybody always says F forty, and I sit there thinking the F fifty is not a pretty car, but it has it is a Formula One car with the body on, whereas the F forty is more like just a mad eighties turbo. It's it's the one car that I had a poster of, and I remember. (laughs) <laughs> I remember it being on Top Gear. Yes. And they tested it against an F1 car. And I remember seeing the advert the day before that episode was aired. And it was when I'd really got into Ferrari. I got the autocar book with all the, from the <laughs> 125C all the way through. Yep. So I think it was the the latest one at the time, 95, was Brilliant. the F512M. Yep. And um, looked all, and the, it had just been advertised. And I didn't sleep that night. Wow. I did not sleep that night, and I remember it, and I can still hear that car now. Uh, it's the noise, isn't it? It's yeah, a, yeah. Was it a V12? V12, V12 yeah. V12, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, so it'd have to be an F50 because that was the poster car. Mm. Um, but I do have a very soft spot for um, an F512M because technically... The last of the Testarossas. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, um, that was a car we worked on in 98, and that was the first Ferrari ever, really. Well, I can't even call it detailing because it was, again, the Autoglim. The first you touch with permission. The first I touched with permission. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they didn't have to wipe clean after. So. I was going to make a girlfriend <laughs> joke, but I can't now. Sorry, mate. <laughs> um, okay, most important question. Obviously, Subaru or Mitsubishi? Ah, now, I thought long and hard about this because I want to... You should- Escape with it's my a, life. Well, there is an element <laughs> so, of that. Yeah. Right. Uh, I've always been Mitsubishi. However, mm-hmm. I have driven a few Evos with, obviously, the client's permission and sat next to me, and I've not been impressed with the way they drive. However, I've never driven 
a uh, Subaru. So I would hope I would choose a Subaru in the hope that it would drive better than an Evo. Well, I can. I can. First things first. Firstly, obviously they do. Unless you're on track, when an Evo might be a bit better. But then, frankly, if you want to drive a car yourself, oh, you drive a Subaru. Did you actually just say that? I acknowledge the the, the greatness of Evos <laughs> purely because the Subaru's head and shoulders above. So you know, it's like saying my number two is excellent, therefore the number one is awesome. There's, there's a forester sat outside now weeping, hearing you say that. No, it's no, just it's, a leak. It's, it's it, no, it, it's just, well, a a correct. B, it's a lifted outback. And, and C, the the second part of me answer to that was that when my legacy is finally in a position where it's it's ready for track, which is an engine build away. As you know, there are two engines sat outside, well, one and a half engines sat outside, mm-hmm. and you're sitting behind numerous components in cardboard boxes for it. Um, when that is ready, we shall go to somewhere like Coombe or come up near you, and uh, we go around a track, and I shall make your dreams come true. That'll be good. And we'll go on the track as well. Oh, hey! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel so cheap. Um, flex or repairs? Um, the reliability. Flex, please. Oh, Every time. Fair enough, fair enough. And again, I think I know the answer to this question. It is the final question of the 11 that we've had today. Um, Sunday drive or Sunday detail? Uh, Sunday drive, 100%. Now, would you take... you? So you have the GT Turbo, you've got the Boxster mm. um, RSC thingamajiggles, you've got the, 740, uh, the 640D, mm. you have got a Mini Cooper. Yep. Which do you take and where or do you caddy. take it? Or the Caddy. Yeah, well, <laughs> Volkswagen. Um <laughs> The <laughs> just alienated <laughs> half our listenership, um, or Terry as we know him. Um, but um, <laughs> where, where, because you live obviously near, so, so I used to work up near Wakefield, so I know the roads around yes, there, and they're yeah. absolute gorgeous. Some of them, mm. particularly if you head uh, Into west, the Dales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which of your cars and which road would you take them on? Um, are we driving fast, or are we just just enjoying the drive? Uh, there's a difference. Yes. Okay, then I would say you're going for fun. So you, you yeah, not fast necessarily. Uh, the GT Turbo. Yeah. The experience car. Gotcha. If we're going quick, the Porsche. Yeah. Yeah. No, it all makes a lot of sense. That all makes a sense. Anyway, I think that draws us to the end of this lovely podcast. John, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Um, and it's it's great to have your your, your lovely Yorkshire tones coming down the down the down the lines. Um, uh, <laughs> and um, off mic, we've been talking lots about oh my see, lots about Renault fives and about stuff. So we're we're looking forward to things. And do remember to catch the next issue of the magazine because you've bought your camera load of photos, which we're going to process and then yep. spin into a nice article. Fantastic. Uh, in issue sixteen, be coming out in December. Um, but for now, we didn't mention that this is the last one of the current series. It is as well. Tragic series four. This is it's yeah. Four. Now we've got to bury ourselves in brighter magazine. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> the... And it's good night from him. <laughs> yes, I got to go and take some more painkillers with this back of mine. Um, but anyway, John, it has been a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. And uh, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>